LinkedIn presents. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Teresa Mitrovic about the role psychological safety plays in employee retention. Teresa Mitrovic, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. John, thank you for having me on your show. It is a pleasure to have you. You're joining us from Australia. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about the role psychological safety plays in employee retention. Uh, this is a really fun topic, one that I think is super important, not only because of the employee well-being and you know, the psychological safety components that lead to a whole variety of other um, <laughs> strong issues within organizations, but everything around retaining, attracting and retaining great people is really what helps organizations to be successful. Uh, so we need to create a, a, an environment of mutual accountability and trust, and that can only happen as you have psychological safety in the workplace. So this is what we'll be Absolutely. exploring and unpacking together today. As we get started, I wanted to share Teresa's bio with everybody. Teresa Mitrovic is the founder of ORO Collective, as well as a consultant coach, course creator, and author specializing in performance psychological safety and trust. In her past life as a corporate leader, when the increasing demands of senior leadership clashed with single parenthood, coaching as a leader was the solution. With workloads reset, team cohesion and alignment gained, performance improved, and profit tripled, she has lived and worked internationally, delivering keynotes and workshops to clients large and small, and authored the book, The Currency of Connection, How Trust Transforms Life, Relationships, and work. And I could go on and on, but I'm going to pause there. And is there anything else, Teresa, you would like to share with the audience by way of your background or personal context before we just dive on into the conversation? So the one thing I would share is that my my understanding, appreciation, and passion for psychological safety isn't purely professional, it's personal as well. So mm. uh, you mentioned in there that I was for a very long time a solo parent. And at, this, at the time that I was raising my son, I also was pursuing a leadership career. And those things are really hard to do, even if you do have another partner in the house. Arguably, it's harder to do with another partner in the house. But um, it, it really forces you to think about new ways to adapt to the world that you choose to have. So uh, the, the, the way that I approach psychological safety today is based 
partly on what it means to be a leader who's able to achieve great outcomes with the people that they're working with. So creating this idea of performance partnership, but it's also based around our needs to be fully human because we spend so much time at work that our work experience then naturally informs how we are as parents, as partners, as siblings, as, as offspring. So we've got to be really careful not to, um, not to, try to fragment our lives too much as employees or leaders and then, you know, the other parts of self that we have. So when I think about psychological safety and the work that I do, it's based on this 18-year corporate leadership background as well as my decade plus in sitting on this side of the fence, but also informed by being a parent, um, a partner to a neurodiverse man uh, and so much more. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. All right. Well, let's go ahead and dive on in and maybe you can explain for us what you mean by psychological safety. uh, And then we can get into the role it plays in employee retention. Perfect. So psychological safety is often understood as a team dynamic. That's really about how, how comfortable and relaxed people feel about their ability to speak up without fear of judgment or ridicule or, or fear of being, being wrong. Um, I take it down another notch and look at it in terms of what safety means and what psychological means. So psychological is about our mental and emotional landscape and safety. We all understand, right? Safety is the absence of fear. And whilst we can't have a pure, whilst we can't ever expect as adults to live a life absent of fear, what we can do is be mindful about the things that are causing us fear and stress uh, psychologically. So mentally and emotionally. So when I think about psychological safety, it's, it's, how do we create a sense of safety at a mental and emotional level so that people can feel that they're you know, emotionally, um, their amygdala, their, their fear responses are dialed down so that their energy isn't spent on protection. It's spent on thinking, creativity, collaboration, connecting with others. So that's how I define it. The reality is when psychological safety is not present, uh, it causes all sorts of other negative interpersonal Mm -hmm. communication teams, behaviors (laughs) that really can derail uh, what you're trying to accomplish. And so Mm well-meaning individuals will disagree with each other. Uh, Intelligent, Mm -hmm. smart, well-meaning individuals will not always see things the same way. And if you don't have a psychologically safe environment where people can express varying points of view, hash out arguments and disagreements, push each other in their thinking, uh, check their biases, et cetera, if if that can't happen, Uh, then you ultimately just derail uh, your ability to be creative and innovative and drive great solutions for the market and do cool stuff in your team. Uh, and and we've all Absolutely. been there. We've all been parts of teams uh, where that hasn't been the case, where that safety wasn't present, where you felt like you had to self-monitor, where you had to muzzle yourself, where you had to uh, make sure that um, you, you spent, like you said, you spent more energy trying to just navigate the the mm-hmm. politics or the dynamics of the team and saying, you know, thinking about what you can say and can't say and all those sorts of things that, that you're tiptoeing around each other rather than actually trying to, to move things forward. Um, and so, so as, as we create that psychologically safe place that then allows us to, you know, obviously we still speak professionally, we still engage in, mm-hmm. in um, appropriate ways, but it, it means that, yeah, I don't have to agree with my boss. In fact, a good boss is going to want to be challenged. They're going to want mm-hmm. to have people push back on them. They're going to want a diverse set of ideas. Uh, and mm-hmm. you create that environment where that can occur. 
100%. Can I build on that that thought yeah. for a moment? So, you know, tension is a really important part of, of, of critical thinking and of creativity and of innovation and problem solving. And we often try to escape tension in the workplace. So when they're, you know, as you said before, intelligent people, committed people, passionate, energetic people have diverse opinions and perspectives. And so there's naturally going to be tension in, in conversations, right? And it's not the tension that's bad. It's the nature of that tension. So the yeah. difference between the tension is creative or emotional, right? So the kind of the kind of tension that you and I are talking about when we're talking about those experiences that we've all had where you feel like you've really got to edit yourself or bite your tongue or, you know, you won't say things in a meeting, but you sure as heck will say them outside the meeting. Um, that's, that's emotional tension. It's a tension where we feel as though we don't, you know, we're having to self-protect or we sabotage others or attack or get defensive. But if we can recognize that emotional tension and take the emotion out of it by understanding what's behind it and what the thinking is and where it's coming from, then we can start to create to, to evolve that into creative tension instead. And that is the kind of tension that helps us to have really great debate. It helps us to test out ideas and make sure that they're more robust and well-rounded. And it helps us to develop our critical thinking and our creative abilities as well. And it also actually helps build it helps reinforce psychological safety and build trust and collaboration as well. So tension is one of the things that leaders can often get wrong. They try to avoid tension rather than harnessing it and converting it into a positive energy. And so what does it do for retention? And, and we can even back up a step and talk about attracting and then retaining good people and having a really healthy team dynamic. What does all this mean mm-hmm. for retaining good people? And why is it a problem when, when we don't have psychological safety? How, how does that negatively impact retention in the long run? I'm going to start with with your final question. So, how how does a lack of psychological safety impact an organisation? We're all aware of that old phrase um, that people don't leave bad jobs; they leave bad managers, and that is a reaction, you know, uh, uh, at a very uh, a very deep level internally. That we are, we're so misaligned; we really cannot we cannot survive there any longer. We have to exit for for our own sanity or our own sense of um, well being. So. Employee retention and psychological safety naturally go hand in hand because we are human. If we do not feel psychologically safe, we are basically in a survival mode and there is only so long that we can... uh... Ew, gotta get rid of this old Backstreet Boys t-shirt. Tell me why. Because it stinks, boys. Tell me why. I've washed it so many times, but the odor won't come out. Tell me why. No, you tell me why I can't get rid of this odor. Have you tried Downy Rinse and Refresh? It doesn't just cover up odors. It helps remove them. Wow, it worked, guys. Yeah. Downy Rinse and Refresh removes more odor in one wash than the leading value detergent in three washes. Find it wherever you buy laundry products. Uh, We can exist at that level because it's so energy intensive. And it's so punishing that it automatically leads to attrition. So what it means when you have psychological, so the role that psychological safety plays in retention is it gives people a voice. So when we talk about psychological safety being about someone or a team dynamic, being about being able to speak up safely and share ideas without fear of judgment, but in a way that actually creates more curiosity, what we're talking about is allowing everyone to have a voice and not making that voice wrong, just making it another voice that we will seek to understand. It also then, you know, when someone starts speaking up, 
they are naturally more inclined to be become more involved, become more intrinsically engaged, right? So they become more committed because suddenly with a voice comes agency. You're actually able to do something different because suddenly what you're saying matters. Whether or not uh, whether or not it gets woven into a plan or a solution, you're still being heard. And all anyone really wants is to be seen, heard, and understood, right? So as long as we're listening and hearing what people are saying, then we can either integrate or, dis- or, or kind of move, move on from what people have contributed. But having the ability to speak up gives people deep engagement and agency. Um, and those two things then enable trust building because it gives you dignity. So you've got the dignity to, and that helps you build your sense of self on a team, your sense of purpose on a team, helps you to, to define your role and the meaning that you contribute. So then you start to act from a place of collaboration. Not So we can only collaborate when we feel like we've got nothing to fear from other people. Right. Otherwise we're competing, right? So you cannot, you cannot get to a place of genuine trust and genuine collaboration if you do not have psychological safety. What you will have instead is a very uh, fragile sense of collaboration, which when it's when it's put under pressure will break. And what you have is not genuine trust, but artificial trust. So again, when you need it most, it's going to crumble under pressure. Um, so it's really, so, and, and what leaders tend to do is they tend to make some mistakes around those things. So there are some really sim- you know, simple errors that leaders make all the time, naturally, because we tend to just kind of act from our thinking in the current moment. So if I can kind of run through some of the leaders that some of the challenges that leaders face when they're trying to build psychological safety. Um, One of them is we ask people to speak up and then we shut them down. And we do this all the time, right? We do this, not just at work, but in conversations generally, we'll ask, we'll invite opinions. Someone will give us their opinion. We'll say, Oh no, we did that last time. It didn't work. Or no, 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 that's a little bit too, you know, we don't have the we don't have the budget for that. We don't have the time. We don't have the resources, manpower. A better response is to say, okay, tell me more, expand on that. Tell me what you're thinking. How what would that look like? And you can even say, we've tried that before and it hasn't worked. Give me t- tell me what you're thinking about how the context has changed now. What do you see that I don't? So being curious, not judgmental, right? Um and and that takes, let's be honest, that, that requires impulse control as a leader, which can be very, very difficult when we're under pressure and feeling really stressed because we just will go to our natural responses. So one of the things leaders really need to do is take a deep breath and focus on being intentional about actually let me let's draw this out and see whether there's a solution in the thinking, not not the idea they've come up with, but the thinking that got them there, because sometimes you can go deeper into it. Um, another mistake I see leaders making all the time is they get, they're so time pressured and time poor and so focused on performance that they tend to think more operationally rather than strategically. So mm-hmm. they'll be focused on the mechanisms of work, not how it's working and how their team are working. So one of the, and again, this is a stress and pressure-based uh, dynamic, but one of the things leaders can do is, st- is take some time, some thinking time to step back from the business and say, okay, what is it that we do consistently over the course of a year? What can I do to simplify all of our, the things that we're doing regularly as a team? How do I create a structure that simplifies all of that and keeps us really closely aligned, uh, really on point with whether we are move- making progress, whether we're succeeding or not? and how we course correct. So making sure that you've got this really clear roadmap for every year that gives you deep clarity, helps a team understand how to align around the shared goals, but also the role that they play individually within the team to achieve those goals. 
but also has regular touch points for uh, one-to-ones with individuals, but also regular touch points to to look at team feedback around how the team are performing, but also how they're achieving against the goals that they've set out for themselves and each other. So those are kind of a couple of things that I see leaders doing all the time. The, the, The final, you know, the final, the three thing, three mistakes I see leaders making all the time internationally is trying to hold people accountable without first creating a psychological contract that gives them permission mm. to do so. And what I mean by that is when you hold someone accountable after the fact to, to a set of expectations that you never made clear in the first place, right. it doesn't sound like course correction. It sounds like blame and judgment and um, and it comes across a lot more blunt. So it doesn't, it's, it, you lose the ability to use feedback as a development tool and it sounds more punitive. So the challenge there for leaders is to look at, you know, look at the team's work together and say, what are the feedback mechanisms that we need to put in place? But equally, how do we set up expectations around the work that the team are doing together so that everything is clear? People know what's expected of them. They know how much wiggle room there is and where they've got free thinking space to be able to achieve in whatever way feels most effective and efficient for them. Um, but knowing that you've got touch points that are early and often so that you can check how the team, are, you know, so you've got these little pulse points where you can check how the team are performing and where they might need additional direction or coaching or mentoring or resources. Um, but you really need, to, uh, as leaders, we all need to be setting up the psychological, psychological contract around this is what performance looks like and here is my role in it. You know, in terms of being alongside you to provide the direction, support, access, and coaching that you need, and here is your role in it, and then making it easy to catch up regularly to check on how everyone's doing. So many gems there. Um, I've seen all of those problems that you just outlined. Um, <laughs> again, regardless of intention, right? I think most mm-hmm. leaders are well intentioned. Mm-hmm. I think most leaders mm-hmm. don't get up in the morning thinking. You know, how am I going to take advantage of or exploit my people today? How am I going to create an unsafe environment for them where they, nobody wants to contribute? Like nobody does that. Everyone mm-hmm. gets up no. with good intentions and and wants to have, you know, well-functioning, you know, well-running, uh, high-functioning teams. The problem is our human nature gets in the way um, mm-hmm. and and just the busyness of, of work and of Absolutely. life gets in the way. And so yeah. then people end up you know, cutting corners or just kind of uh, falling into the same traps over and over again. Nothing you said mm. just a minute ago was rocket science. I mean, it's all kind of no. basic stuff, but but <laughs> yeah. yet we we fall into the same traps over and over again. So I often say, mm-hmm. you know, not zooming out now and not just talking about psychological safety, but just talking about mm-hmm. leadership generally. Leadership is not rocket science, um, mm-hmm. but it is really hard. And the reason why it's really hard <laughs> is because you have to do yeah. simple things and execute them well and do them consistently over time, repeatedly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that is hard yeah, to do. It. It, yeah, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. Um, there's this trust model that talks about um, the four different C's of trust and consistency is one of them. You know, So, so being able to consistently uh, behave in a certain way. Is, and it's really hard when you've got so many things going on around you and so many demands on you as a leader. And particularly when you are, you know, 
I was going to say, you know, you're working with external stakeholders, often internal peers or stakeholder groups. You've also got the people that you're reporting up to or the board, and then you've got your team. So as a leader, it's almost like you're an island who has all of these different stakeholder groups that you're tra- that you have a different responsibility and commitment to. And so you're juggling all of that whilst at the same time, as is true, I think, for all of us, having deep pressure put on you in terms of performance outcomes. So being able to be intentional and precise and consistent in your in your thoughts and your words and your actions can be incredibly difficult. And you know that's that's why I mentioned um, the idea of impulse control because when you're stressed, instinct kicks in and you will respond from a place of habit. And over time, with enough intentionality and consistency and practice, you will get to a place where the instinct that kicks in is around curiosity, not judgment, it is around mm-hmm. performance partnership, not um, not command and control. But you need a good three to six months of practicing that to be able to really feel like you can hold it down in moments when you're under high pressure. But I agree with you. Most leaders, you know, want to have a positive impact. They want a team that's happy, high functioning, um, engaged, committed, trustworthy. But no one's taught them how to do that. You know, most 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 leaders um, have learned how to lead and manage by default based on what they have felt works and doesn't work uh, in the past with the teams that they've led or the people who have led them. So often we pick up some really bad habits, and no one ever peels. Yeah peels back the onion and says, okay, so put aside everything that you know for a moment and, you know, imagine, and I remember saying this to one client once, imagine if you were coming into your role brand new with all of the experience and knowledge that you had about the business, the people inside it, the the demands on the business, the, the expectations of you, how would you design your workload and your team's workload going forward based on what you know, not what you've been doing? And even that can be a really great exercise to do to think about, well, actually, how, how, do, I, how do I change the way that we're working and the way that we are, uh, the way that we deliver our work, but also the way that we work together so that we are making this uh, not just effective from, a, from an output perspective, but also really effective from a team integration and team collaboration perspective and critical thinking as well. You know, I think one of the things that, um, one of the things that we don't talk to, man- to, to leaders and managers enough about is the role of developing critical thinking and creativity in your team as well. We're often so focused on the output that we don't focus on, on, on the input and the stuff that's actually creating the quality of that output. And again, to reconnect back to how we started, mm-hmm. People want to work, especially when mm-hmm. it's a tight labor market and people have options. And, you know, I, I even with all the tech layoffs and all that happening right now, really great people are still in high demand. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and so people have options. And if, if I'm going to, you know, go into free agency and then go, you know, go and work mm-hmm. and choose to work for an organization, um, I want to work for places that where not only do I have a good boss that treats me well with dignity and respect, but where I have a dynamic team, uh, I want to go places where I have opportunities for growth and improvement. Uh, and mm-hmm. I want to go uh, to a place uh, where the values and purpose align with my values and purpose and mm-hmm. psychological safety becomes the foundation for all of that. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. if you don't have Absolutely. it, then you, you essentially erode the ability 
to really get good to really get great people. Um, and you might trick people in the short term. You might be able to like put on a facade and people come because they think you're a great place to work, but your reputation will precede you. And it doesn't take long for word to get out that you're actually a pretty mm. crummy place to work. Um, and then, and, and the good people will leave and then you won't get good people to, to, to fill in the gaps. Um, and so really, if you want a good pipeline of great talent, you have to start mm-hmm. with, psychological safety, that foundation of mutual accountability and trust. You have to make sure that these things are clearly communicated uh, where you you know your people and have the opportunity to have those ongoing conversations and that dialogue. Uh, All of that will lead to greater levels of psychological safety and greater levels of uh, retention, uh, which ultimately, of course, drive a whole slew of other positive outcomes for organizations uh and you you ultimately bring more value to the market and you're you're relevant as an organization and you grow and you're able to do great things and that's what everyone wants Mm. absolutely absolutely um and psychological safety when you work it into not just your leadership behaviors and your um and your team dynamics, when you work it into the systems in your business as well, that's when you start to really lock in the idea of psychological safety from an organizational perspective. Because if you just leave it at the leadership level, then you are reliant on your leaders and their impulse control, their intentionality, their ability to connect and build trust. Um, So it's really important um, at an organizational level to think about it across multiple levels, not just at the leadership, at the team level or the leadership level, but also at the systemic level as well. And equally right down to the level of individual, because when, when an employee joins an organization, so even if an employee, even if an organization has a great reputation like Google had, and they, and people know it to be a psychologically safe, um, very kind of engaged environment for employees, it really comes down to your relationship with the manager and the team that you're working with, what your experience looks like, because we each enter into a new job with this psychological contract in place, right? We have a, we have an, an understanding and an expectation, just as our team members and our, our boss does. If that isn't made explicit, and we don't, you know, that's not all transparent, then there is a risk that that psychological contract will be broken. And I've said to people in the past, you know, I, our, our employee engagement is never higher than the day that we work th- walk through that front door. You know, and then give us six months, give us six to 12 months and our employee engagement will suddenly start to drop to around 70%. Now, when we're doing employee engagement surveys and we've got 70% response rate, we shouldn't be excited. We should see that as 30% of employees don't even care enough to tell us what they're thinking (laughs) or how they feel about it, right? So what we've got to look at is it's not just how do we create this great organizational brand around the way that we treat our employees, psychological safety being at the heart of that, but how do we continue that? Like, So so how do we take this this person who's going to walk in with 100% engagement, how do we onboard them really well so that they know that, to your point, they know that there is going to be career growth for them or learning and development that's going to support them in their career growth, whether it's internally or externally, because 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 the outcome of it doesn't matter. The, what matters is that you are feeding and nourishing someone's mind and behavior because whilst they are at your place of work, they're going to be giving the fruits of that labor to you. But how do you onboard people really well so that they know that, they're, that the psychological contract that they had was, is, is being met? And, and how do you as a leader build a relationship with each employee once they join to help reinforce that so that you're building psychological safety, which then enables trust, 
which then unlocks this level of performance that is beyond anything that we normally experience in a command and control environment. Yes, absolutely. Teresa, this has just been a really great conversation. I know at the time I need to let you go here in just a minute, but before we wrap things up for today, I wanted to give you a chance to Mm -hmm. share with the audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Sure. Uh, So you can find out more about me by connecting with me on LinkedIn. It's probably the the fastest way to to see uh, what I do and how I work. But I've also got a special offer for the listeners of Human Capital Innovations as well, which uh, is a heavy discount on a couple of online courses that help leaders understand how to build uh, psychologically safe trust-based systems internal to their organization. So one is one course is performance partnership playbook, which is all around how to create performance partnership as a leader. The other course is 30 day team reset, which is how do you, if you're a leader, who's like, I want to see the results. <laughs> how do you, how do you pick something up and create impact so performance traction, but culture change inside of 30 days and uh, and that course. So both of those courses are available online and they've got a, spe- I've got a special offer for listeners um, on the page. So it's www.orocollective.space forward slash human capital innovations. So I think you'll be if you're popping that in the show notes. Um, but do go and check that out uh, because, again, you'll get more, more, of a, more insights into how I work, what I do. Um, But the final thought that I would like to leave everyone with around psychological safety is that psychological safety isn't the cherry on top. It's, it's the ingredient, it's it's one of the core ingredients that goes into a successful organization, a successful team, a successful work experience. So organizational safety is there, whether we're paying attention to it or not. And it's such a core human need, particularly when there is so much uncertainty and so much change and volatility around us all the time. So the more we can create psychological safety in our workplaces as leaders, the the more value we're creating, not just for our employees and our teams and the organization, but also for the lives that our employees have outside of the organization as well. So psychological safety is an essential fundamental part of being human it's not a um it's not it's not a theoretical cherry on top kind of an idea it's absolutely fundamental and it is game-changing and we need it it it, it affects all areas of our lives and we need it now more than ever yeah well said Teresa. thank you so much it's been a real pleasure i encourage my audience to reach out get connected find out more about what Teresa can do for you and as always i hope everyone can stay healthy and safe that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day and i hope you all have a great week do you enjoy the human capital innovations podcast enjoy ad-free listening by going to the patreon page and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.